stretched on across your body crushed by human hands you formed from dust oh how wonderful your mercy is how awesome are your ways I come I come to worship you
itself. Again, to the graduate, congratulations. We had a good time with them today. May God bless you and open up a new ways in your life so you can testify about the Lord Jesus Christ first and then complete your education. Thank you, Taylor. How wonderful. How awesome is our Lord. Thank you again for that beautiful song. Let's open our Bibles, if you have your Bibles. I expect you to have your Bibles with you. Or iPads or iPhone. What? I've never spoke about this. I've read it so many times. I gave example about the, the rich man in Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. The rich man, in uh, verses 16, we are going to read a few verses, and uh, we'll take it from there. I need your prayers. Verse 16, Luke chapter 12. And he told them he is Jesus Christ. A parable, saying the land of a certain rich man was very productive, and he began reasoning to himself, the rich man, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, he said to himself, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store and my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? I read it many times. I read this many times. And the last time I read it, I was so much affected by that. And this is a rich man. I want to clear something. There is nothing wrong by being rich. Nothing wrong by working hard and having a good life, a successful life. But what is wrong is when God has no place in your life. When you depend on your riches, not on the Lord Jesus Christ. When God has no plans involved in your plans. And that's when I have a problem, what I have a problem with.
But by the world standards, this man we read about, he was successful. He owned land. He had plantations. And he could point with pride to his great harvest. He was probably a well-known member of the business community. He owned buildings, had uh, banking investments. Uh, most probably they called him, you know, a, a, a gold, gold member of his bank, whatever. People looked at him and said, this is a successful man. But Jesus called him a fool. We're going to see why he was called a fool. I'm privileged today to see a, the, the young future church sitting in the front row there with their, with their teacher. This is wonderful. And guess what? They're taking notes. They are taking notes. God bless you all, the young boys and the young girls. Well, I'm going to give a title to my message today so we will not forget it. When gain is loss. When gain is loss. Or if you want to interpret it in your own language, you can give, okay, when success is failure. How can this be? We're going to look at that. As we said, he was rich. And the very thing that attracted me, he trusted in his riches. That's where his heart was. His heart was in the land, in the crop, in the barns. His heart was there on a daily basis. He looked around and says, how can I get it better? He never thought that he one day has to give an account has to face his creator. And I can see from what we read here, he was a self-centered man. A self-centered man. That's my first point. He had no place of God in his life. I want you to think of that. All that he could think of is how to have more. Isn't that the problem of our society today? How can I have more? If we have a house, three bedrooms, and a two bathrooms and a kitchen, and when things start getting better, well, how can I have more? We want to change it. If we have a car that has been good, a loyal car, and how can I change it? And there's nothing wrong, as I said, with that, as long as God is your pilot. As God is the one who is directing your footsteps. Not you, nor the greed, nor a self-centered man. In all this, what God mentioned, the Lord here, we don't see that he ever thought of his family, his employees, or neighbors, or anyone around him. All his 
mind was busy with himself. A self-centered man. That's what he was thinking of. Uh, a wealthy woman trusted in her riches. And she was just thinking about herself. She went to her doctor. And she was frustrated with her restless desire for more and more and more. And the doctor, you know what he told her? He replied, there are, these are the usual symptoms of too much ease in the home. You have too much time on your hands, and you have too little gratitude in your heart. Whatever you have, are you thanking God for? When you go on your knees or when you go and sit down to pray, are you thankful for his blessings upon you? Regardless, it's good to progress in life. It's good to be a successful family in life. But, First and foremost, where is your heart? Your heart is to be a successful person, or first, your heart is to be pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek ye first, what did he say first? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek first God. Seek first the Lord Jesus Christ and his salvation. And all these things, you don't have all these things, he'll give you more that you can handle. Christians, do you believe that? I believe things are better with Christians on a daily basis. I believe success is with every Christian on his or her own level. We don't have to own plantations and own half, half of Danville or San Ramon to call ourselves rich, you know? Nowadays, we used to say 30 years ago, a millionaire, whoa. Today, almost everyone has become a millionaire. Look at the house prices. If you own a home since 30 years, you're a millionaire. But this is not the goal. This is not the goal of life. The goal of life is to have God as your partner. And this this is my, my subject today. And do you want to know? Are you willing to know with me how a self-centered individual, man or woman, self-centered man, when I say man, it involves both man and woman. They think, I came across someone who says, I am a self-centered man and I have nine points to give you. Listen to that. You might laugh. That's good. It's good to have a little bit. He said, my idea of visitation, everybody comes to see me. I don't worry anybody. Okay. Number two, my idea of sympathy, everybody suffering with me. Now, where are we here? My idea of a sinner, listen to this, the man for whom 
I have a great dislike. He's a sinner. Did you get that? My idea of a meek man, the man who yields to me. It, doesn't that strike you? The self-centered man is only, he is always right, okay? Now, number five. My idea of a contentious man, the man who takes issue with me. My idea of a wise man, the man who listens to me. Seven, my idea of unity, everybody agreeing with me. Eight, my idea of cooperation, everybody working with me. <coughs> Excuse me. And my idea, last one, of a good sermon. Be careful. My idea of a good sermon, one that fits and hits everybody but me. Do you see a self-centered person? And I've been told one day <coughs> by someone who got saved. And when he used to hear a sermon about sin and a preacher talks about sin and sinful people, he used to say, well, this is for such and such who is sitting in the, on the third row there. He used to think about that. That's a self-centered person. So if you want to look at that, he, he wrote them, the self-centered man, and this is what he thinks, and this is what the man was thinking. I, 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 me, my, myself. He had a covetous heart. Secondly, he had a covetous heart. Please listen to the conversation, conversation with himself and the plans he made. As we read, he said, what shall I, I do since I have no place to store my crops? I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. I will store all my grains. I will say to myself, soul, listen to this, you have many goods laid up for you in heaven for years to, in, many years laid up for you, many years to come. And soul, take your ease. Soul, eat, drink, and be merry. He never thought of God. He never thought of anyone else. A coveting grandeur, if you will, please. He just living to see that his empire is growing larger and larger and larger every day. You know, I, if you want to count them, I think he has about 11 eyes in three verses. Count them, that's good. I, you might count 12. And what the Lord said, a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses, but how much he is satisfied with what God allowed him to have. 
Are you satisfied with what God has allowed you to have now? Are you looking at so and so and say, how, how come I'm not like them? Are you coveting anything in this world? If God wants to make you, make you big and richer, richer, in due time he will. And if he does not, he knows what you can handle. Some people cannot handle riches. God is not going to give them. And some people deserve to have more. But God says, in due time. Some people he gives. This is none of our business at all. When God gives or takes away, it's his business, not ours. Why don't we surrender to this idea? And I speak to the person who does not know the Lord Christ as his or her Savior. Don't look to make a name for you in this world. First of all, take the name of Christ on you first. Take Jesus as your Savior. Take him as your partner. And you know what? No one who's partnered with Jesus lost at all. Well, the Apostle Paul was an educated man, right? Oh, I, I, I think I have that. He was a remarkable man. He finished his studies. He graduated at the feet of Gamaliel, which is a great philosopher. He was acquaint, acquainted with Greek philosophy, literature, Hebrew of the Hebrews, zeal for his religion, and all of this. You know what he said? I count all things, repeat with me, but loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Amen. I count all gains but loss to win Christ. And a covetous man cannot sleep well, I tell you what. Cannot sleep well. This man could not sleep. He was at night talking to himself. How can I get bigger? This piece of land owned by so-and-so, I have to go get it. So I can enlarge. I can plant more. I have to build another barn or take down the barns and build one. Don't we see that happening nowadays? I want to get bigger. His restlessness, no rest, dissatisfaction. Is he, was he satisfied? And what does the Bible say? I have given you what you can handle. I have bestowed on you my blessings that for now, this is what you can handle. And what the Bible says, be ye content with what you for he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You want to be rich soon? You want to go before God? You want to accumulate lands and, and houses and, uh, and everything you can, you can get with your money? Stop thinking like the self-centered person and give everything to God. He's given you what you can handle now. Go ahead and use it. 
That tells me that a state of a heart reaching out for something which God, for the present, has withheld. Stop. This tells me that this man's heart was empty. Empty. Paul said, if we have food and clothing, be ye content. To begin with, I'm not, I'm not here proposing that we should run away like poor people. No. Work. Work hard. Shoot for success. But have your partner, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man, he did not have a place, even a place for God in his life. This reminds me of a millionaire who gathered, gathered all kinds of money and he lived in Texas. This man accumulated millions and never acknowledged God in his life. He didn't know what to do with himself then. He had one request. When he said, when I die, I have one request. What's your request? I want to be buried in my red Cadillac. Arrangements were made. And the whole town gathered. And the funeral was in process. And one man who's attending with his friend elbowed the other guy like this, you know. And he said, boy, as the cranes, as the cranes lowered the car and he was behind the wheel, dead man behind the wheel going down. Okay, boy, that's really living. I say to this man, is that living or dying? Correct me. Am I seeing a dead man in his Cadillac? <laughs> Gone to eternity? Dying without a savior. All plans have come suddenly to stop. And they will stop if you do not include God in them. But all plans... You have. God will help you to achieve what he allows in your life. And the continuation is, will be in heaven. Not in death. Not in the grave. I have news for you, Christian. If you are a child of God and sitting at this comfortable seat. And you know you are saved. Whatever plans you have. If you finish them today, fine. If you finish them next month, fine. The, to the man is to prepare. Is to prepare. But if you don't finish them, you even don't care. The Lord will finish them in heaven for you. You'll be with him. Every year we plan to go on vacation. We say, the Lord wills, okay, in, in uh, six months or a year or so, we're going to go on vacation. And you know what I pray? The Lord. Lord, if it is your will, make it happen. If it does not your will, I am satisfied with what you give me. And it happened with us before. We were going on the same day vacation, and the church needed us. We canceled it. Did you, know, did, did you think I was upset, or my wife, or my kids? No. 
Because we know God is preparing a better time for us, and it happened. Let God, let God plan your life. Whatever, if you are a businessman, take him as your partner, and you will succeed. And whatever you lose in this world means nothing, because gain in this world is loss for eternity. Paul said, I have counted everything but loss to gain Christ. Do you have Christ? Is he your savior? Or your plans, you're planning, this is what I'm going to do. You're sitting at the seat, this is Monday. Monday is off, but I want to start making plans for Tuesday, Wednesday. It's good to have plans, but be careful that you get so much involved, you forget anything else as this man, self-centered, worried about now, about future, worry about eternity if you're not saved. And if you're saved, let God take the plan. He says, these are the plans. Execute them for me, Lord. Put me on your plan. And you know what the Bible says. I have plans for you. Christian, as long as you work hard, as long as you study hard, you student, as long as you plan and say, Lord, if it is your will, I am going to continue every day. God will not bless a lazy person. I'm not preaching laziness. I'm preaching hard work. Every day. And let God execute his plan in your life. In James chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, let me read it to you. Come now, who you say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city. Isn't that clear? As if it's written for us today. Spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. This is the man we're talking about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy out my neighbors. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He says what he says. What is your life? What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Think of that. That conversation of this rich man that night, he said, I have a conversation. That conversation doomed him. Do you want to know what was the answer? He said, the Lord, he said, you spoke. The Lord said, you spoke, you talked a lot, you put your plans, everything. Now it's my turn. You put the schedule for your life. Now it's my turn. God's voice. Verse 20. You fool. That's hard. But when God says it, that means a man deserves it. 
you fool. This very night, your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? This is, in my opinion, God's sentence. God's final word. You didn't want me to be part of your life? Well, I'm going to give you my opinion. Do you know who has the upper hand in this? Can you help me this? Who has? God. In vain you spent hours at night with your eyes wide open planning to enlarge your bars to double the fields. You have your output in vain, all the plans, all the preparations, all that which you have placed your happiness on and built your hopes upon, you must now leave behind. You know what he told him? You laid up treasures here and you forgot to lay them up in heaven. You're working for here, but you never thought of eternity. You never thought of me and what I can do and what I can give you if you give me my life, your life. Here, in one stroke, in one stroke, God strips the man from everything, from mostly his hypocrisy and self-centered and, and covetous life. He strips him, and he stands as a naked person in the presence of God. You're done. All what you're doing, you're done. You turn a deaf ear. You didn't care for anyone else except for you. Ah, oh, you fool God. You fool one. And you know what? Let's be honest with ourselves. Ultimately, there comes a time when all people, not just this man, must stand before God. We cannot. There will come a time. It will be a sad day to realize, think about it, that one has failed because of selfishness, self-centered life, poor stewardship, and you hear the verdict, verdict of the Almighty God. You fool. It's in the Bible. For what if the Bible says is clear. The Lord, when he was here, said the same thing. Look what he said in Luke 9.25. For what is a man profited? if he gains the whole world and loses himself. When gain is loss. He thought he made it. He thought he has reached. I have arrived. He never thought of the life to come. He never thought of eternity. 
He never thought when he closes his eyes where he's going to be. And if, as you sit in your seat, think that I know where I'm going. Thank God for every believer he knows what he's going, right? We know where we're going. And if you are not sure where you're going, this is the time before, before it's too late to say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. Here's my life. Here's what I have. Here's my plans. Here's everything. I place my life in your hands. Take me. Mold me. Change me. I believe you can save me. And then you will become a new person, a new woman, a new man, a new life he will give you. And once you have this new life, all things will go away. And he will start, he will start planning your life. And I assure you, then your loss will become gain. Your loss will become gain. May God use this word to awaken those who do not have Christ as Savior. It's not in what we have. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and you will have something more precious, more precious than this world offers. Let's bow our heads for prayers. If the Lord spoke to you and tells you there's need to be a change in your life, you know what you say? Lord, here I am. Take me and change me. If you know you're not saved and you're still fighting in this world alone without Christ, take him as your savior and then he'll become your partner and he will change your life and direct your heart and bless your business and to give you success in his life, in your life. Take him. Say, Lord, here I am. I place my life in your hands. Let us pray. Our Father, we are very thankful for your word. And your word is clear. And we thank you for the plans you have for our lives. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that works to convict us. And as the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of many this afternoon, we pray that no one will leave this place empty-handed, but a person who gains the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. We pray that your word will be taken in the heart of each and every person and help us to live according to your plan. Dismiss us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and be with you. The meeting is over. If you have anything to talk or do you want to discuss with me, I'll be more than happy sitting here in the front. The meeting is over.